Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. And speaking of live, work, and play... We're going to have a show uh, packed with why that's important here in just a second, but we're all kinds of efforts are happening all across coastal Mississippi to make this such a great place to live, work, and play. That That is for sure. I went to Ocean Springs last Friday with my sister Mitzi and my granddaughter Mila. We ate uh, at the front porch of the Maison de Lou in, in downtown Ocean Springs. It was actually the first time my sister and I went out after, you know since the pandemic started. And we just sat there actually just admiring the food, great food, and the wonderful sense of place that Ocean Springs has to offer. You think about every community of coastal Mississippi has its own unique sense of place. That's what makes uh, coastal Mississippi such an incredible place to live and visit. Our goal uh, as we look forward is to add, add to that sense of place, to make it more of, a, of, a, of an attractant to empty nesters and young people. Uh, we want them to want to come here. It's really actually the key to our success as we go forward as a region. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Um, but if you think about urban and, and, and regional planning efforts and dreaming about coastal Mississippi and how it competes with places like Nashville and Chattanooga, uh, Tennessee and Austin, Texas, places like that. Um, but here's the thing. As, as we sort of, sort of move into a conversation about those, that conversation, urban and regional planning, don't turn your dial yet because we're going to try to make this conversation really interesting. I want you to understand why this is an important conversation to you. And I want to talk about this in a way that helps you understand why it's important to you. But here's the challenge. How do you talk about urban planning, which, is about, uh, which has a goal of building amazing communities a collection of communities here in coastal Mississippi that rival the best communities in America. And how do you talk about regional planning, which is not just about positioning this as a great place to live, but also giving us an economy that's striving and diverse and adjusting to the dynamics of an ever-changing economy? How do, you, how do you have those conversations without boring people? Well, I think you start by painting a picture of the future. And the, the next thing I think you have to do is you have to give a solid example of a specific game-changing project that could happen. That's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to talk about all of these issues, and we're going to be joined shortly by Stuart Speed, who is the president of Leaf River Group. Uh, he's going to share a residential commercial, better known as mixed-use project, planned for Gupport, that not only meets the goal of adding something to Gupport that is transformational, but also meets a vital economic goal. Adding a downtown residential development that can attract professional and tech firm employees. Now, this is really important because if you, if you look at a study that was done by the Gulf Coast Business Council and the Gulf Coast Community Foundation, this was literally the top priority of the strategic plan. Um, I talk about this all the time on Coast View. The new economy that is, that is emerging compels us to attract young professionals, especially those who are tech savvy. Um, and this was, this was a, a major trend that was happening before the pandemic. But they want to live, work, and play and just about, in, in, they, can, they can live, work, and play just about anywhere remotely. And the pandemic has put this trend 
on steroids. Millennials covet the convenience that comes from uh, developing mixed-use areas. Uh, they want to live, work, and play within walking distance. They want to access necessities. Uh, access necessities. They want engagement with their friends and their peers. Um, Eric Hill from the Center of Entrepreneurship at Mississippi State, you, you know him well if you're a regular listener to this show. He's a frequent guest here. He said this, that we need an educated, experienced, and portable workforce. Nearly every single angel fund that he worked with has struggled with hiring, uh, especially in the area of development work. Uh, he goes on to put it this way, and I think this is a, a really a cool, practical way to say it. People in their 20s and 30s need to be able to find spouses. <laughs> Our cities and communities need to be places that are sought after and that lead. What would it take to get someone under 40 to say this? Wow, I'm glad I live in Mississippi and no, not anywhere else. Eric says that we can't be like a company that simply watches its competitors uh, rather than crafting our own uh, unique winning strategy. And, you know, we, we're doing that now in coastal Mississippi. We have opportunities in front of us that we've never really seen before and now we this is the time for us to be able to to grab those opportunities uh, i can't agree more with with eric and just just look at what we've done as a set of communities here uh, since katrina look at look at the opportunities that are in front of us good lord the opportunities to win here are very significant in this this cherished group of coastal communities so add to that something that I've said more than once on Coastview, and that is this, and this is really an important part of this overall conversation, that disasters that we've experienced here in coastal Mississippi have, in, over, the, over the past many years, we could be, be BP oil spill, the Bonacary Spillway, Katrina, and others like those, have inspired us with a sense of urgency that most communities don't have, uh, because there has been significant pain inflicted on this, in this region, and we know now better what our vulnerabilities are. We know them, we know them in, in every aspect of our living, especially economically. As a result, we're committed now to shaping a future uh, that assures that we are more economically resilient and that, and that makes our prosperous, uh, our region continue, uh, what, that will continue to keep our prosperous, our region prosperous. That's why the study that was completed by the Gulf Coast Business Council and the Gulf Coast Community Foundation is so important. It helps establish a game plan uh, going forward. But building places that, uh, like I'm talking about, takes incredible investment, very significant investment, and it takes private sector involvement. Private sector's got to be willing to put millions of dollars up and take the risk. And that's why the BP settlement money is so important. And I've talked about it on the show all the time, but you know why it's important for me to talk about it so much. That money is available, available to us to uh, invest in the sort of projects that will transform coastal Mississippi. Ashley Edwards and I talked about this yesterday. Uh, we literally have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do something economically transformational while at the same time adding to our sense of place. I want to give you some, some quick background here. Uh, on September the 5th, 2018, a bill was signed into law here in Mississippi that established what is called the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund. The fund is used for, for programs and projects that have the potential to generate uh, increased economic activity in the coastal Mississippi region. And here's how it works. The Mississippi Development Authority takes in these applications uh, for projects uh, during the July to August timeframe. And they get recommendations from what is called the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund Advisory Committee. I'm going to talk more about that in just a second. 
that 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 committee reviews and compiles and scores all the applications and they and then they present those applications to the legislature in December. Uh, the legislature then looks at the individual projects and they fund them the ones that they approve in a, in the uh, in an appropriations bill during the next legislative session and this will happen annually. The Gulf Coast Restoration uh, Board was as I mentioned was established by this bill and it has seven members. Three of those are appointed by the governor, two of those by the lieutenant governor, and two of those from the, by the Speaker of the House. If you look at the current board, the advisory board, it's literally a dream team of coast leaders. Um, the governor's appointees are, are these three. Ashley Edwards who, from the Gulf Coast Business Council, he's the chairman. Moses Feagan and Becky Montgomery Jenner. The lieutenant governor's appointments are Jerry Levins and Mark Cumbest. And then the speaker's appointees are Greg Cronin and Jim Simpson. Uh, so, as I mentioned, they evaluate and score the project. Now, here's what I, here's what I have said on Coastview uh, a lot recently. So, I was trying to kind of this a little editorial comment. In my assessment of the state's efforts so far, I think we stumbled in the first round of BP money. Uh, in the bill, uh, in the bill, it addresses the disbursement of the money. The legislature designed a process that that not only created this this advisory committee, but it went on to talk about the kind of projects that would be that would be approved okay and i'm going to give you that here in just a second but unfortunately it enables it says the board is advisory it enables uh projects to sort of go around or sidestep the committee so if you look at the projects that were approved and you look at them from the from the lens of long-term payback i think we stumbled of the 26 projects that were approved by the legislature only eight of those projects were actually recommended by the advisory committee the majority of the projects approved were never actually reviewed or vetted by that committee. We've got to do better. The legislature funded things that were too often one-time expense uh, with virtually no long-term payback. Too many projects were not transformational. They did not diversify the economy and they will not leave a legacy. The states that we compete with would die to have this opportunity to fund transformational projects. We're, we're in a unique place. So I'm hoping that that as we go forward in this next round of, uh, of projects, that we're more al aligned uh, so that we can do the kind of things that are going to really make uh, for long-term economic payback for coastal Mississippi. Uh, you know, the intent of the bill, let me just, I'll summarize. This is almost, this is just a paraphrase directly from the bill. The state will use the BP money to invest in projects that will leave a legacy for our kids and our kids' kids. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. So with that said, I'm going to have uh, Stuart uh, speed on in the next segment, and, uh, and we're going to talk more about a very specific project that gives you a great example of something that's going to happen in coastal Mississippi, in Gulfport in particular in this case. But we're going to have more projects that I'm going to focus on, either ones that have been recommended or ones that have been approved by the legislature, so we can have a conversation about what long-term payback looks like, what transformational projects look like. We'll be back with uh, Stuart's uh, speed after this break. View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to coaching. Uh, as I said in the first segment, this is a real opportunity for us. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity to take the BP money the from the settlement, the multi-year opportunity we have in front of us, so that one day in the future, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, we look back and say that we took advantage of this, that we didn't blow it. And um, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, the one thing I wanted to mention that in the first round of funds uh, that were dispersed, it, it came during, you know, the, the pandemic and the pandemic was really beginning to take hold. So I'm, I'm frankly not too critical of the legislature. Although the one thing I wish they would do is, is, is pay much more attention to this committee that they put together and what their recommendations are, because there's a there's a very, very structured vetting process so that so that the projects that come out of the local committee are the kind of projects that uh, will be transformational, that will create some sort of long term payback for Coast of Mississippi. Um, I just wanted to make that clear. So now let's uh, turn the page and move to my new friend. Uh, Stuart Speed, he's with Leaf River Group and um, someone I've been getting to know the last few days, but it's good to see you, Stuart. How are you? I'm good, Ricky. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, let's start with this. <clears throat> People may not know you, but they may recognize your last name. Your father was Leland Speed, and I worked with him before Katrina, but after Katrina, I worked with him extraordinarily closely. Man, he was a force to be reckoned with, wasn't he? He really was. He was. Uh... A unique, u- unique fella, and uh, not one of those guys that's not really replaceable. And uh, but we we hope to take uh, the lessons he he left us and and move move forward with him. We we miss him dearly. So uh, to get for people who don't know your your father, get, give them a, sort of a brief picture of who he was. And unfortunately, he passed uh, relatively recently. But uh, but he uh, but he made so many contributions uh, throughout his entire life. Give us kind of a, a nutshell of who Leland was. Wow. Okay, that's a big challenge, Ricky. On a Monday morning, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, or now now Tuesday morning, I guess showing this. But uh, so he was uh, uh, a visionary and a leader of people, and um, and just a, a wonderful human being. Um, Everybody who met him um, was was kind of marked by their encounter or encounter or encounters with Leland, it seemed. And um, among other things, though, in terms of business, he he was one of the pioneers of the public real estate business in the late 70s, starting in the late 70s. Uh, so the real estate investment trust or REIT business, he um, he, he through a series of acquisitions uh, acquired uh, and built uh, two public companies which uh, ultimately became uh, Parkway Properties and East Group Properties, and uh, both uh, traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, both were based in Jackson. Uh, one of them has since sold, uh, and, uh, but, but uh, East Group uh, continues uh, here with the Jackson headquarters, and, and uh, it's an industrial REIT. They own warehouse space from coast to coast in the Sun Belt. Um, so uh, California to Florida, points in between, ma- major markets. Um, so big you know, distribution space. And so, um, but what was interesting is after a long career, successful career in public real estate, um, he was, uh, he had a second uh, career in public service uh, as the MDA director under Haley Barber. And uh, that's where he uh, uh, was when Katrina occurred. And so he was, 
very involved in kind of heading up with Jim Barksdale and and others uh, the the coast uh, kind of rebuild uh, roadmap, if you will. And uh, so um, he was aware before his passing about a month ago of of my involvement in this. Um, project on the coast that we're about to talk about and he was so excited about it major proponent really wants to see this happen so um hopefully we can we can get it done done for him so yeah well i I tell you i I enjoyed working with him he was a he was a visionary and uh he you know once he made that transition to public service he was really really driven to make the MDA the best it could possibly be. And the MDA, as most people know who were close to it, played a significant role in the recovery after Hurricane Katrina. But he had to have been an amazing mentor for you. And while you worked with him at some point along the way, you actually sort of transitioned to, into your own entrepreneurial efforts. Tell us a little bit about you know, the, the kind of companies you've been involved in that led you to your current company, Leaf River Group. So I've been involved in the development of um, various types of commercial real estate. I was involved at uh, Colony Park in Ridgeland um, for uh, years with uh, Buster Bailey, and we did uh, involved in Renaissance at Colony Park and a number of the office buildings here. Um, so that was a uh, been a transformational project for this neck of the woods, and um, and then uh, I was in Atlanta for a period of time uh, developing urban uh, for rent and for sale product. Um, some mixed use as well. And then um, in 2014, went out on my own and, and uh, started Leaf River Group. And, and um, yeah, just uh, scratching that entrepreneurial itch. And, um, and so we have been involved in several um, multifamily, you know, uh, apartment communities, uh, kind of higher end stuff, typically some mixed use uh, with some, some office retail um, public-private parking kind of aspects. Uh, we've also done some for sale uh, housing targeted at, at empty nesters and the move down kind of crowd, and then also some uh, warehouse uh, development. So that's what we're doing in, in Mississippi and Alabama, uh, here to four, you know, the Jackson area, and then coastal, coastal Alabama, Mobile, and Fairhope. Uh, but uh, really looking forward to getting involved in the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So. Um, you see, you see, you, you go back and look at your your bio, the companies you've involved and the kind of projects you've been involved in, all of them first class projects. You seem to be sort of the the perfect sort of lead on the kind of project we're talking about for Gulfport. And um, so, what we want, I want to do is, I want you to kind of describe the project, and then we'll start to, as we get into the further into the conversation, we'll start to really dive into some of the attributes, and then at the end, we'll come back and. Talk about why it's important to have a solid partner in the state of Mississippi as a result of the BP money, because it will it will provide a way to make a project like this actually doable, whereas maybe it might not have been doable before. And you heard the point that I made a minute ago. We got to get this right because our competitors all across the United States, they would covet the opportunity to have a fund that could make otherwise not doable projects doable. And, th- and that's what's going to make this transformative, isn't it? Absolutely. This is, as you've said, I think before, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, you know, to, to uh, help bring, bring to reality some projects that just otherwise would not happen. And ours falls in that category. And, um, you know, what a, what a crying shame if we don't take full advantage of this opportunity. And, 
the coast has done a really good job of, of um, as as you mentioned previously, getting back on its knees. Uh, certainly, uh, with with in terms of infrastructure um, through through you know FEMA money, et cetera, after Katrina. But now it's got an opportunity to really go to the next level and address quality of place and and uh, quality of life, and and that's so important because we're in the we're in competition with these other markets and other states for human capital, for talent right now, and uh, the Gulf Coast has a great opportunity to attract it, but it just it's missing some key ingredients, and so. This is the opportunity to engage the, the private sector who, who knows about these things and can do these, deliver these things, to, to engage it, to, to, to make this happen. And what, you know, what a wonderful thing that the private sector is ready to engage on, on addressing some of these needs that can be transformative in a, in a market that, you know, where, like our project, which we're going to talk about, the market for that project is not really established yet. So yeah. it takes uh, a, a good bit of subsidy to uh, kind of make, make that, that, those numbers work and make that, that type project a reality. I think what will happen as we go forward um, is that we'll start to see more competing projects that are, you know, more and more, hopefully, you know, developers from all over coming here saying, wait a minute, this is a unique opportunity. Coastal Mississippi is a unique region. It has a unique sense of place. We have a chance to put that on steroids with other developers and in partnership with the state of Mississippi through the BP funds and do some amazing things. So why don't we do this? So. Your project, just start to sort of lay the groundwork for your project. It's in Gulfport. And I tell you what, why don't we do this? We'll, we'll, we'll pick up on the other side of the segment because we're coming to the end of the segment. But this is Stuart Speed. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get really specific about the Gulfport project and why it's so important and what it's going to do to help sort of meet the strategic plan that was set forth by the Gulf Coast Business Council and the Gulf Coast Community Foundation. We'll be back after this break. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Stuart Speed with us. He's with Leaf River Group. He's the president of that company, and he's involved in a project here in coastal Mississippi, a proposed project called the Gulfport Town Center. It's really exciting. And as we've set up to this point, mixed use is, is part of our future. So so why don't we start, Stuart, just kind of over give an overview of the project and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, Ricky, this is a, a large, um, um, very high quality mixed use project that would be in, in downtown Gulfport. Um, and but we view it as something that would that would set a tone and impact the entire Mississippi Gulf Coast, not not just a Gulfport project per se. Uh, so it, it's a its primary component is uh, residential. It would be about approximately 250 apartment units. Um, all this would be kind of Class A plus quality. Um, we've got uh, 650 car parking garage that would be public and private. There's a real need for public parking in downtown Gulfport, uh, particularly on the um, you know weekend nights. 
and and such. And so uh, we're you know as, as part of this project, we can we can address that need. Uh, the, the garage should be about half residential uh, and then half half for public parking. And so. Um, and then we've got a little bit of uh, flex space, uh, about 15,000 feet of, of office retail, incubator, what, what have you, you know, to, to be determined, depending on kind of where the market takes that. Um, and then we would probably have a rooftop, uh, you know, our project is located at uh, 49 and Beach Boulevard. And so uh, with, with a view of the port, uh, Jones Park, the, uh, the, the, the marina there, and, and of course the Gulf. And so we would have a rooftop um, a bar restaurant situation as well, um, which could be really, really neat with that view. Um, so uh, that, that's the, the, the uh, kind of the, the, the basic facts on the, on the project. Um, it's, a, uh, it's, it's an expensive project. Sixty million dollars total cost, um, and but we will have uh, you know um, easily more than half of the, the capital would be would be private capital that's that's being leveraged, if you will, to to make something like this a reality. Um, I've been involved in projects of this nature in Jackson, uh, Meridian at Fondren, uh, across from UMC on Lakeland Drive in the Fondren area, kind of Midtown Jackson. Um, and then in Mobile, downtown Mobile on Water Street, uh, uh, the Meridian at the port, about three blocks north of the RSA Tower. And both of those projects had uh, some public subsidy to, to make them go because uh, they all have structured parking because you're fitting on a small lot, generally speaking. And, uh, and uh, in, this, in our case, it's less than four acres uh, there in Gulfport. And so uh, structured parking is very expensive and it's hard to make the rents work with, with that kind of cost. Um, and the additional challenge we face right now uh, in the Gulfport area is that the rents there are significantly lower for, for multifamily than they are, say, even in Midtown Jackson or downtown Mobile. So, so you've got, it takes more subsidy to, to underwrite it because uh, we've got to go to a commercial bank for a, for a loan. Uh, uh, and it's got to pass all the, you know, kind of underwriting criteria. And so, um, so it takes a substantial subsidy to make, make this, this kind of thing happen. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's so important that, that we do, uh, again, going back to uh, talent attraction and re retention, um, young people, uh, tech workers, service workers, professionals, um, but also empty nesters, uh, as, as you said. And so, um, you know, we are, are in competition in this new economy, uh, not so much for smokestacks, but for, for people, uh, particularly post-pandemic when everybody's working remotely and um, people love a low uh, cost of living and they love water. And guess what? The Mississippi coast has both. And so um, the coast has got got such a such an opportunity here um and you know I, I like what what you have said previously about uh, each of the coast communities having a sense of place and they have their own unique character and i had the opportunity recently to kind of go from one end of the coast to the other and 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 spend a little time quality time in a lot of those communities and it's, it's so true and it's it's uh it's unique that way because uh it's not a mon one monolithic big city you know, where here's the here's the vibe and everything, take it or leave it. You've got a little bit of everything there. And so I think it's fascinating. And the um, 
I just I want to I want to also say that the um, the the folks that we have dealt with on the coast um, have been great. I've got partners on the coast that have invited me into this project, and uh, and they um, uh, have introduced me to a number of people, um, you know, business council folks, um, political leaders, um, coast delegate, legislative delegation, and. I tell you, uh, and and you guys with with the show here at Coast View, um, I've just I've been really impressed with the attitude and the optimism and the want to and the the uh, I think the you know the desire to cooperate and work together um, to to uh, make something uh, you know uh, greater than the sum of its parts, and I think that's that's fantastic. So I think the coast really really has an opportunity. I wouldn't be you know. We're, we're going to be sticking our neck out on this thing. This is a pioneering project. So I, I wouldn't be participating in that if I didn't think there was a real opportunity here to make something great happen. Um, so, um, you know, one of the things that we hear as we uh, go through this process um, with, the, with the business council, the advisory committee and the legislature is that, uh, you know, one of the questions you got, well, how many jobs are you going to create? Okay. Well, um, here's the answer to that. It, this is not an auto plant. Uh, so, uh, the number is not four digits. It's, it's probably three digits. It may be low three digits that, that you can directly attribute to the project. Okay. But that's, that's missing the point entirely. This, this is the kind of thing that if you, if you provide this kind of urban walkable experience with which particularly young people are looking for, and you attract some of the, the, the human capital, young talent that Mississippi is in dire need of, right? We don't need people, you know, kids from Ole Miss State Southern uh, moving to Nashville, Atlanta, Dallas, D.C., whatever. We, we need to, we need to uh, mitigate that as best we can. Um, so uh, what, you, what you get is um, you've got the opportunity to have those people, you know, here attract them and then they they generate employment they generate entrepreneurial opportunities startup businesses um, but also attract other businesses who are looking for quality employees and so um, so that's there's there's a ripple effect with this um, that that you just have have to have it's it's sometimes difficult to quantify but you need you got to have it I mean ask the folks in Austin and Nashville um, who who have this kind of environment, um, and it took, you know it's taken them 15, 20 years to build it. They didn't you know start out with it, but they built it, and it's fed on itself. And so what happens is you generate additional economic activity. Uh, you generate uh, copycat projects, if you will. In Fondren, for instance, there are, there are three projects um, that uh, excuse me that um, that are. A direct result, I would tell you, uh, of our developing the Meridian at Fonder. They're they're on the drawing boards right now, or under construction. That are they're trying to have significant projects with a with a significant multifamily or retail or both components. So, um, so it just somebody's got to go first with yeah. a significant project. So th this is Stuart Speed, and he's a he's a developer <laughs> and investor, and he's we're talking about a major mixed use project for Guffmore. Let me add a little more to that. It's really kind of interesting that after Katrina, when we had the hundred architects and planners from around the world, we had even the Prince of Wales Foundation represented in this group. 
that mixed use was part of the conversation then. This is over 15 years ago. <clears throat> this whole notion of walkable communities and how the future would sort of uh, lean toward creating more of these kind of walkable communities. And it's interesting that now that we've got a strategic plan, a region, a coast region strategic plan in our hand, that one of the major priorities of that plan is to build places that remote workers and others would want to come to. So it's not just about attracting tech companies and others that might could potentially relocate here, but it's also just about creating a place that they want to work in, which we've said before, that they want to live, work, and play in, so that they they may work for a company in New York or Dallas or California and choose to live in coastal Mississippi because the quality of life is is high. This, you know the the uh, the cost of living is not nearly as high as those other areas. So the opportunity is so many layers to that. You've got the parking garage aspect to it. You've got the the market rent and being able to drive the market rents down so that it's become more financially viable. You've got the way that we're attracting the people who work in the building, the commercial real estate, uh, excuse me, the commercial ventures that'll be part of that, the people who actually work as in, in the actual building itself. And then you've got the, the, the people who live there who are, are going to be, as we discussed more than once, empty nesters and uh, people who are part of this new economy who, as the pandemic has told us, they can live, work, and play anywhere remotely. And we want them to choose coastal Mississippi, but we need places like this to attract them. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Stuart Speed. Broadcasting safe and sound from the coastal Mississippi studios, this is Coast View View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk 103.1. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Stuart Speed with us. Uh, he's with the Leaf River Group. He's the, the lead uh, person on a project for coastal Mississippi. A group of local investors invited him in. And they've sort of amassed a really good team that is focused on building something at the corner of 49 and Highway 90 in Gulfport called the Gulfport Town Center. It's a mixed-use development. And you heard us talk about why we need this. It'll help bring sort of market rental prices down. It'll help build some public uh, parking that would be important. We've talked about when you combine residential with commercial, it creates a place where uh, young people especially can live, work, and play. And basically the same area. That's what they want. That's what our competing states are doing to attract people. Like when you think about Nashville and Austin and Chattanooga and others, this is what they're doing. And we have to do this here in coastal Mississippi. It's a top priority of the strategic plan developed by the Gulf Coast Business Council and the Gulf Coast Community Foundation. So now let's come back to you. The 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 your project was went to the local steering committee for the Gulf Coast Restoration Fund. They scored it and did the work that they do, and they recommended the project to the legislature. Take it from there. What's the, where are you in the process? Yeah, so the, uh, the legislative session is uh, fairly well advanced now, as, as you know. And so we have been uh, working to get the word out about the project and why it makes sense for the GCRF funds. And, um, 
understand why it ought to be a priority and is such a such an incredible opportunity for the coast. So we're um, we're we're in the throes of that process right now, um, working with the coast delegation, the legislative leadership, uh, the governor's office, uh, MDA, the whole whole nine yards, and uh, we've got uh, we've got some some good representation, you know, working for us on that on that project on the, on that subject and. And so things are going well. We're uh, we're moving along and um, and looking forward to kind of uh, concluding the the, uh, the 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 process here and the and the, the pitch for this project here here soon next few weeks. Well, that's good to hear. And you know what I'm hearing behind the scenes is that um, there's a lot of conversation. A lot of conversations are taking place that may not have taken place during the first round of BP money. Uh, you, you can tell that that what I'm hearing about state leaders in, engagement level of engagement in this deeply engaged, uh, wanting to do the kind of projects that are going to be truly transformational. And you know, as we get more of these kind of projects sort of rolling out of the system, then we can hold those up as examples and say, this is what we're looking for. We, we're looking for game changing projects that literally can economically transform coastal Mississippi, not, not by themselves, but a collection of projects like this could literally transform our economy. And that's the point that we're trying to make, isn't it? Yeah. So it really is. Uh, we, uh, I, I would submit that, uh, the process I hear, uh, GCRF process really needs an example of, um, of this kind of project, but also uh, uh, to, to become reality, but also a private sector-led project that the, the the folks involved in the process, legislature, et cetera, can point to and say, "Look, this this work here's you know we here's where the private sector came to work you know on a public-private opportunity, and this is working." And and they brought they brought a wheelbarrow full of private dollars to help make this thing go, and so you can too, and so. I would I would submit that uh, rather than public public uh, every time out, we really is now's the time to get one of these done. Now that we kind of got year one out of the way, you said that was didn't quite go as planned, pandemic, etc. But now they got an opportunity for a do over, and they need to hit the hit the right notes, hopefully. And so and they're they're you know there's several worthy projects, but but you're looking for the 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 transformational ones, the few. There aren't that many of those, and ours ours certainly is one of those. And as I mentioned a minute ago, I, I hope as we go forward, we'll see more and more of these because in my conversation with Ben Brown, who worked with Andreas Duani back in in the early days at, you know, after the, after Hurricane Katrina, I got to know him really well when I went over to the to Alabama and led the oil recovery planning efforts for, for Alabama. He actually was involved in helping write the report and leading the writers, writers team. What Ben said is that I mean, and I made this point at the beginning that that developers in other markets would covet the opportunity to have projects that are transformational work financially, and uh, you know they don't they don't have such a fund. You know, this BP money we got a chance to get this right. The legislature decided that seventy five percent of the BP money would be spent on in coastal Mississippi. And now we have to we have to stay rigorous and stay aligned around not doing things that don't have a payback. We can't do things that don't have a payback in the future. We have to find other other sources for those things. We need to be focused on partnering with private investments so that we can do the kind of things that are literally going to transform coastal Mississippi. And I hope that, that the future shows more projects like this are coming forward. And, um, and maybe maybe your your project would be one of the one of the first big, big projects 
that would be funded and in, in partnership with the state in a way that makes it doable, and then we can actually see it and put our you know put it, put our fingers on it. You're ready to go if it got approved, I assume, huh? Yeah, yeah, we are. We are ready. There'll be some more drawing that that occurs, um, you know, the architect, engineer, but uh, for sure. And so, yeah, we 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 hope we can put 350 to 400 people living in downtown Gulfport, Ricky, which would uh, change the change the place uh, um, dramatically. And the, um, we know all the businesses downtown would really appreciate it. And and I and should point I should point out that Roy Anderson uh, the third uh, his. Uh, his company, uh, Andacor, is going to be the builder. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's right. And uh, so we are uh, looking forward to, to that aspect of it. As I had well. a great, so we, I had a great uh, conversation with with Roy, uh, an hour long session talking about his family and all that. It's really interesting that he would be the builder because his family's history in downtown Gulfport is so incredibly significant. His grandfather and the way he came here. And, uh, and then, you know, his father and the role that his father played and then Roy played to build this incredible company, successful company. And now he's doing it all over again with his son, with Andercourt. Just a terrific story. But, hey, we're out of time, Stuart. I really appreciate you joining me for a Coast View session so that we can let people know what was coming up. And we'll, we'll keep in touch with you and let people know what the latest is as it relates to this project. Great. Thanks, Ricky. Enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you tomorrow. View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I 10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.